there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, a horror anthology podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that would look dope with a ponytail. It's Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? I would look dope with a ponytail. I did have a ponytail before. Um, do I remember that? I feel like I might. It did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I had long hair. Yeah. That's for when a you little were while. Playing though. guitar and stuff. Man, those were the yep. days. You used to be jamming on that shit with your ponytail. Sometimes you would play it with your ponytail. Yeah, I used to do things. <laughs> those uh, were the you did. Now, Brandon, I have to say, I know last week I said we were probably going to have a guest on this week. It didn't end up happening, but um, we will have them on soon. So, Well, you said probably, not definitely, so I feel like your ass is covered there. <laughs> There's always that, that percent chance that... Somebody could have something come up, and that's what had happened. That w- that was what happened, okay, Brandon? So mm-hmm. we're going to reschedule with them soon, but well, guests on again, Brandon. People like to be on our show. It's a great show. It's a good show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear, you guys, keep listening, please. <laughs> yes. If we say it enough, it'll come true. So, Brandon, it's been, a, it's been a little while since I really asked this, because we had Robin on last week, but like... How have mm-hmm. you been? What have you been up to lately? Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Dish I it. have uh, found a new thing to sink all my money into. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm listening. Is it? Hold on. Let me guess. It's not Pokemon cards. Uh, it's not Mega Man <laughs> cards. <laughs> no. Uh, is it board games? Have you been, have you introduced board games to your family? I have bought a few board games. I haven't played any of them <laughs> because I, I buy them thinking like, oh, this is going to be great to play with the family. And then it just never happens. But. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not buying tons of them. Okay. It's not Funko Pops, right? <laughs> Lord, no. Okay. I have one Funko Pop of the Pokemon Alakazam because I love Alakazam. Alakazam is um, a great Pokemon, yeah. And every time I look at it, I think, oh, I just want to like paint over its eyes. Yeah. Its black, lifeless eyes. Something about Funko Pops. Like, no offense to anybody that loves them, but I just don't get the appeal. There's too many. There's so many of them. I, mean, I just don't care. Yeah. Well, okay, okay. It's Enough like, of me guessing. Okay. Right? What what is yeah. it that you have sunk all your money into? Do I need to call somebody? <laughs> okay, you know how it's 2024 and we've all decided, you know, if we want to watch a movie, we've got all these streaming services. And yeah. if you don't want to watch something on the streaming service, you just go online and you, you pirate it, right? Yes. Well, I've discovered that they put movies on discs. And you can okay. pay money for them to put them on a shelf and take up space. I've never heard of this concept before. Is it like VHSs? <laughs> yes, it's just like VHSs. Okay. So yeah, I've started buying all my favorite movies on 4K Blu-rays, and that's been my thing. And I'm finding, as I'm buying them, that my definition of my favorites is mm-hmm. getting looser and looser <laughs> as time goes on. At first, uh-huh. I was like, all right gonna buy alien i'm gonna buy the thing Mm -hmm. i'm gonna buy the good the bad and the ugly and now i'm like huh should i buy the lizzie mcguire movie oh my god brandon it is one of your favorite okay it's not as loose as you think (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah though that's still in the same tier i guess but you understand what i'm saying she like goes to europe without her best friend i know she eats gelato i wish i was eating gelato i want to see that movie (laughs) wow okay so you're (laughs) my problem okay i would also like to have like movies on a some sort of disc to play at at my leisure i don't think i actually have anything that can play them though like maybe my ps4 but i don't even know 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, what is Lizzie McGuire movie like your most recent purchase? Like, are you going out thrifting night these days? Do they even have thrift stores in Australia? They do. Okay. <laughs> Australians still thrift things. Okay. Um, but no, I haven't made it to any thrift stores. I never find good things at thrift stores. I don't I see pictures and stories of people like, oh, look what I found at the thrift store. And it's like the coolest shit. And then I yeah. go there and it's like Workout DVDs and <laughs> yeah, classic socks with holes in them, and I just no Madden NFL 2002 on the PlayStation 2. Yeah, yeah, Operation with all of the bones missing. <laughs> I go thrifting every once in a while, Brandon, because I find that it's really good to find like uh, sometimes I I go to bookstores. I find some Are You Afraid of the Dark books like very very rarely, and it's a really great day if I find those. But I look for like Goosebump stuff. And now I can look for Tales from the Crypt stuff. I haven't been back thrifting in a while, but I use them for giveaways. Um, I know I haven't done a giveaway in a little while here, but it's always good to like go and thrift, find some stuff that's very nostalgic so that I can give it yeah, away. That that does sound cool. That's my favorite thrifting moments. Yeah, I should go back. Uh, yeah. What the hell? Brandon, they need your business. <laughs> I'll update you on what I find next time I go. OK, that sounds good. Um, I know I, I think I briefly mentioned it last week, but I got a whole new computer, Brandon. Woo! So my old computer, I had about 500 gigabytes of space, right? And on, mm-hmm. when I purchased the computer, I bought it as a pre-built on a website, and I was like, mm, I don't need more space from you guys because I can just insert, like, a external hard drive, and boom, I have, like, you know, an extra two terabytes of storage, right? Well, obviously. Right. Super cheap way. So, for whatever reason, my old computer did not want to connect to an external hard drive. Like, I just could not connect it to it. So, I just played with 500 gigabytes of space for, like, so long. And, like, I don't think everybody that listens in are podcasters, but, like, podcasting takes up a lot of space. Like, I'm chock full of just my voice and your voice. you can chew through 500 gigs in a day. I, I mean, yeah. So, I, I needed something else. So, I got a new computer and, uh. It's working out really well. <laughs> I have a lot of, I have like three, no, I have four terabytes of space regularly on top of like an external hard drive that actually works. That's two terabytes. So this I podcast love, can keep going. I love thinking that, that you like, you had this computer and it was like, it was good, but you ran out of space. So mm-hmm. like when you get a new printer, when the ink runs out, instead of buying <laughs> new ink, you're just like new computer. I had to though, like I know that sounds stupid, but I had to. Like, I'm look. There's a terrible thing that happens when you're like, oh, I don't have enough room for Baldur's Gate three, so I have to delete a whole oh bunch of stuff. God. Like, like uh, Audacity yeah. is what we use to record and and what I use to edit for the podcast, and the raw like data of Audacity per episode is gigs. Like, it's like at least ten gigs after I get done editing things. So, like, I'd have to go through the old episodes and delete the audio data. And, like, thankfully, I didn't haven't have to use it since then. So, like, it's good that everything the podcast has imploded. OK, <laughs> yeah, it, it's like a constant shuffle when you've got blow. it's awful. The laptop I had before the one I'm using right now had 128 gigs. That's insane. We need more gigs. That's like. A, a flash drive worth of space yes, and i was just is. constantly shuffling things around i have a flash drive because i for some reason my old computer would accept a flash drive so like all of the episodes of are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps that i have because i have to have those to convert them into an mp3 to add them into the episode like i have that on there so i have 
One flash drive is filled with episodes. <laughs> Tales from the Crypt and Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps. <sighs> but I don't have to worry about that anymore, Brandon. My worries are gone. I can have mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate 3 and a podcast now. Good. Yeah. I haven't played Baldur's Gate 3 again yet, but like... <laughs> It's on there for when I'm ready. Bro, you know? I haven't played Baldur's Gate, Gate 3 in months because they keep updating it, and every update is like 30 gigs, and I just, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't keep, like, updating the entire game every four days, so I'm just... You're just going to wait, right? Okay. Yeah. I'll wait until the game's just done. You're waiting for Baldur's Gate 3 Game of the Year edition, because you know that's going to happen. So one game of oh, the year. Definitely. <laughs> And if it ever comes out with an expansion, like, God help me. Nah, don't worry. That expansion will come out about 20 years from now on them. When Boulder Gate 4 is about out, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'll still be updating it this time when that comes out. <laughs> oh, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. We have a whole episode of Tales of the Crypt to talk about. You want to get into this shit? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, Sure, we can talk about that. All right. Well, Brandon, we just got done watching Tales from the Crypt Season 4, Episode 12. It's called Strung Along. And I'm going to ask you, Brandon, what did you think of Strung Along? I actually really liked it. Really? Uh, okay. I mean, look, I did. I didn't not going to say I didn't like it, but I didn't expect you to say really. Like, I thought you were like, yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. Threw that modifier in there. I really liked it. It really updated your sentence there. And I, it was surprised me. I was, sh- uh, I was shook. It's the best episode of any television program I've ever seen. <laughs> Gold standard for TV right here with Strung Along. <laughs> I'm going to get it on 4K Blu-ray, and it's going right next to Lizzie McGuire. Oh, my God, Brandon. Well, um, that's cool. I'm glad you enjoyed the episode, because I liked it as well. I don't know. Anything in particular about it that stood out to you? Oh, like, it was like a spookier episode. Like, it's still silly, because of the subject matter. But, like, this episode had some some spooks in it. And it was it the puppet, a- wasn't it? It had a horror atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the puppet, but it's also very dark. It is. Yeah, this one is, um, it's very well acted. Uh, It's got creepy puppets, so, like, that's a big old plus right there. Yeah, you can throw creepy puppets in anything, and it's going to be spooky. Has some background stuff going. Got a bit of mystery in there. I don't know. It's it's a good episode. I I thought, I've had a good feeling that this one wasn't going to be great, and uh, I think it was pretty good. I liked it. I think we should talk about it, Brandon. Enough of this little idle chitter-chatter here. We should get yeah. into this episode. Let's talk about it. Our episode starts up and we see the Crypt Keeper, our dearest and bestest buddy, is being tortured, Brandon. Oh, no. He's on the rack, but he really seems to be enjoying it, which I wouldn't expect anything less of the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, I would be very surprised if he was like, oh, stop this, please. Yeah, that'd be off character. He says, ah, yes, that's better. He, then he lifts his head up and he says, oh, boars and ghouls, I hope you'll excuse me if I don't get up. I'm a little stiff today. Then again, I'm a little stiff every day. And he giggles. Then he says, actually, I, I twisted my neck playing croquet, but it wasn't hurting the way that I thought it should. So I called my Cairo Hector. Of course, some people look elsewhere for their pain, like the old man in tonight's terror tale. His idea of an antidiotic was to marry a younger woman. And he giggles a little more. Now, when he's given this opening spiel here, Brandon, the camera has been panning us back to see him fully on the torture device, the rack. And mm-hmm. there's like a skeleton person in a doctor's coat who moves a little, and then the torture device starts stretching our bestie a little bit. Yeah. I like when he's got company down there. He almost always has company, Brandon. He is very popular. He's the Crypt Keeper, man. 
all of his doctors make house calls and he has a motorcycle one time or a car. I don't remember, but like, damn, he's got it going on in that crypt. What do you think it's like being his friend? Do you think in just casual conversation, he's slipping in puns like every other word? Nah, he probably only does it when the camera's rolling. I feel like being his friend is like being on Game of Thrones. Like you never know when you're going to die. Yeah. Or you're already dead like his skeleton friend here. He groans some more and cracks like his body cracks and then laughs and he calls this plasma play strung along. Now the picture for this episode I think is pretty cool. In the background is the face of an old man that's smiling. In the foreground we've got a woman in a black dress that's fending away a little clown puppet on strings with a bloody knife in its hands. I think it's cool beans, Brandon. Yeah, we haven't gotten a lot of clown scares in this show. No, we do need a like a good clown scare episode. I think uh, every, well, I guess Goosebumps didn't really have one, but I feel like every horror anthology show should have at least one clown episode. Yeah, this one I wouldn't like classify this as a clown episode, but like it's got clown elements. Clown puppet is a clown. Okay, that's fair. The cover for this episode it reminded me a little bit of uh, what was that one episode that had. Uh, Francis Bay, the episode with Francis Bay, where the picture was like her smiling face in the background. It's kind of got that that vibe to it. Ah, Yes. Um, I like the artist that does those. If he did that one, too. I don't know. I'm just talking. Anyway, (laughs) we should get into the episode. Okay. (laughs) We fade our way into the episode as the screen fizzles like an old 30s or 40s movie picture, Brandon. Yeah. Very fancy. It's a nice effect. There's some odd carnival kind of music playing and we see the puppet of a clown from the picture hop its way across a play stage. It comes across another puppet of a cowboy, and we hear a voice say, Clyde, what's the matter? And the cowboy Clyde puppet says that he thought he left his dog here or something, and the clown puppet's all, what? But Clyde, can't you read? This is a no-barking zone. And we hear children laugh, because that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. The creepy clown puppet is all, yup, I bet the cops are called. Anyway, we better get to the pound. And the puppets hop off the screen as the kids cheer. And the camera pans us up, and we see that there is somebody behind the puppets. And he pushes his curtains aside, what? saying that he hopes that the kids had a good time and to remember that wherever they may go or seek, they'll all get together same time next week. And he laughs and he waves a bunch and then freeze frames, Brandon. We snap over to the same man sometime way later, and he looks sad. Like, this is way later. into the 90s now, and that was in the 50s. This is our main character of the episode. It's Joseph Renfield. He looks to be reliving the good old days by watching his kid's show on the tube, but it's interrupted by giggling and the sounds of somebody swimming. So he blinks a couple of times and turns that shit off the TV. He gets up out of his chair and we cut outside where some rockin' beats are playing and some ladies is swimming in the pool. This lady saunters over to another girl at the poolside and splashes her with a little water before getting up and lounging with her. We see Joe in the window watching them and the woman who is swimming is his wife. Her name is Ellen, Ellen Renfield. She notices him and smiles and waves, saying, Hi, honey. Joe smiles and nods his head and looks around his house as we hear Ellen kind of say that she can't seem to get him out of the house. Yeah, so this character, Joseph, mm-hmm. he's he's portrayed as kind of being a, a has-been. He, you know, hasn't done anything in a long time, and he's just reliving his glory days in his basement yeah. all day. But, like... He's got a bomb-ass house with a big pool. Sure does. And a beautiful young wife. Things seem to be going pretty well for him. Yeah, he apparently made, like, a lot of money doing this kid's show. or He either a made a shit ton of money back then, and he saved his money, or he gets a lot of 
it's the royalties, word. right? Yeah, gets a lot of royalties, money on the back ends. I don't mm-hmm. know, but it seems like he's doing okay. Yeah, that's that was my initial thought too. But you know what, Brandon? Enough of this happiness because now we're scrolling <laughs> around at Joe's old memorabilia for his time as a performer. We do find out through a memory lapse to voiceover that his puppet clown is named Coco. We pan enough to see that we're in Joe's like workroom, and he looks to be sculpting up a new puppet. He's chiseled up that face, and someone says, want my opinion? How about taking a little more off the top? The door opens up, and Joe says, nobody asked you, Coco. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So this this episode is interesting. We have our, our main character, Joe, and he talks to Coco and hears Coco's voice in his mind. So he's kind of got, I don't want to say it's like schizophrenia kind of thing going on, but there's something up with this Joe fella. Yeah. We hear the voice of Coco saying that he's been carving that same head for two months. You make those cheekbones any higher. But uh uh-oh, Brandon. Joe snaps a little of them cheekbones off and is all like, fuck, don't even say it, Coco. (laughs) Oh, shit. Coco's going to give me the business for this. (laughs) Coco said, don't make those cheekbones, and he snapped that shit right off. The last thing I want to hear from you is I told you so. Now, Ellen, she's the one that opened up the door. She pipes up asking if Coco has been bothering him again. And Joe is all, huh? Coco bothering me? You kidding? And we look at the puppet of Coco, who looks smug as hell. Like, every time we look at this Coco puppet, it's all like, hmm, told you so. Yeah. He's a, he's a smug-looking clown. But also, does his expression change? I don't remember. I don't think so. <laughs> if it does, it's subtle. It's not like in Goosebumps where... Slappy, like, jiggles his eyebrows. The Coco abomination. (laughs) (laughs) It looks really good. It looks creepy as hell. I like it. It's creepy, but it also, like, looks realistic. Like, it's not something made to look like an evil clown, really. It's just... Yeah. They have that vibe of... Yeah. You know, the 40s or 50s when uh, people did, like, like it reminded me of Toy Story, you know, like, with, uh, in Toy Story 2 when Woody had, like, his TV show, like, Woody's Roundup. It kind of reminded mm-hmm. me of that. Yeah, he's got stuff. that howdy doody bullshit. clown bozo sure. <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen walks up saying that she brought him his mail. So, Joe sits down his carving as she asks if he'd like to come outside for a nice little swim. Joe tells her, mm, I don't think so. I don't want to take her away from her friend. And Ellen's all, oh, uh, Lucy went home. Oh, for Christ's sakes, Joe, you're going to be jealous of my female friends now, too? And Joe apologizes, saying that he's just depressed. Ellen agrees that he is indeed depressed, since he sits in this dark little room all day talking to himself, and that ain't healthy. We look over at Coco, who is judging all of us. Even you listening to this podcast, he's judging you. Mm -hmm. He's smug about it. And Ellen asks if he's taken his medication today. Joe tells her he feels fine, and Ellen snaps, well, what color do you want me to wear to your funeral? If you want another heart attack, then go ahead. So Brandon, Joseph here, he has some heart problems. Yeah, that's set up right away. It is. How do you feel about Ellen so far? Well, she, here she she seems like she's, she's sassy about it, but she seemed to genuinely care about his health and like yeah. wanting him to be better. So I was thinking, like, if she is a gold digger, she's really terrible at it because she's like, oh, you got to take care of your heart. You yeah. Live forever so that I never get your money. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit confused, I, I think, at this point here, because 
the the paragraph, well, the sentence that we get from IMDb just reads, an aging puppeteer suspects his much younger wife has a lover. So I thought that she wouldn't be as supportive as she is now. Because, like, she's seen him in the, in the window. She was, like, waving at him. Like, hey, sweetheart, come out, have a splash with me, you know? And yeah. um, I don't see where this is coming from yet, you know? And I was kind of confused. Yeah. I thought she would be a huge, like, bitch or something to him. But she's not. She's very supportive so far. No, it's it's not thrown in our face. With that, Joe stands up and asks Ellen not to be angry with him and calls her kiddo. Ellen smiles, saying that she isn't angry with him. She's just frustrated. See, Joe here needs to take better care of himself. Then she touches his cheek and leans in for a quick smooch. And with that, she's out of here. We stay with Joe, who says she's magnificent, ain't she, Coco? We hear Coco say she's a real piece of work, all right. Joe sighs and then opens up his mail. And he gets really excited, as we can tell, because there's a little musical flair that's like, da-da-da, you know, like, good news. I just got a letter. I just got a letter. (laughs) Oh, you're going to need to get that one on Blu-ray, too, Brandon. (laughs) The whole, I don't know how many seasons there were. I don't know. They're still making them, aren't they? I think they might be, yeah. They think they rebooted it. Yeah. They were like, fuck Steve. Get out of here, Joe. We got a new guy here with a dog. Maybe it's the same dog. We don't know. It's got to be. I've... <laughs> outside, Joe runs his way through the house and knocks on the outside door because he's still, like, not going to go outside because <laughs> he knows outside is the worst, okay? He doesn't leave this house in the entire episode, does he? No, he doesn't. Like, he he's doesn't. not just, like, a homebody or whatever. Like, he, he might be actually agoraphobic. Yeah, he does not like that outside world. He knows that there's bad stuff out there. Ellen's outside there. She's sunbathing, and she looks up and sees Joe calling for her. She kind of smiles and sighs a little, but she gets up to check it out. Inside, she asks, what is it? And Joe tells her she ain't going to believe this. It's incredible. They want me as a tribute to the golden age of television. Ellen can't believe this and takes a look at the letter as Joe explains they want him to do an old Coco and Clyde routine. Cool. Ellen here sits down reading it, saying, now wait a minute. Do you think you're up for this? They aren't even giving you much notice. Joe happily exclaims that he'll do it and he could do it in his sleep. This is exactly what he wants. He's been going out of his head. Who knows? This could be the beginning of a comeback. Ellen tears Joe back to the ground here saying, now let's not blow this out of proportion. It's just a TV show. She's a little bit less supportive here. Well, I mean, kind of like we see Joe deflate a little bit here. So Ellen kind of looks down a little saying, but who knows? Maybe you'll get out of the house. Joe gets excited, grabbing the letter, saying there's just so much to do. There's a ton of people to call. And we see Ellen smile. And then we fade over to the bedroom where Ellen is laying down reading a book. Joe is in his old man pajamas. And he says, (laughs) you know, I've been thinking. Maybe instead of doing one of the old routines, I do something new. And he turns off the light and crawls into bed next to Ellen with a smile. Ellen tells him, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, wait a minute. I don't want you pushing yourself. I won't let you do this if it makes you sick again. And Joe's all sick, but I told you already, I haven't felt this good in years. Ellen asks, well, what if we have the doc check you out just in case? Joe asks her, but why? Saying that he's on enough medication already. Ellen giggles and agrees that they don't need to do any more of that doctor business. But could we at least get somebody to help you? Joe thinks about it for a second and says, well, I don't know anyone anymore. I guess I'll call the trades tomorrow, you know, put in a classified. And Ellen shakes her head saying, classified, huh? You never know who you'll get from those. Oh, why don't I talk to my acting teacher? He knows so many people. I'm sure he'll have somebody that we can get to help you. I know this guy, John Lovitz. He would be great. Oh my gosh, John Lovitz would be perfect in this episode. 
Joe agrees and smiles, and Ellen turns off the light. Then the two start smooching, and Ellen asks, Hey, what's all the hubba here? And Joe says that he just feels so inspired, and continues smooching on Ellen. And we see Ellen, and her smile kind of fades, and she looks into the camera, and then the scene fades. So, like, even with that, she's still really supportive, being like, only, you know, you can only do this if you are healthy, you know? <laughs> but then you get this little bit where she's like, oh, I don't like being smooched on a little bit, you know? Yeah, it's all over the place. It is a bit. Yeah, Ellen is an interesting character. <laughs> we pop back over to Joe's workshop. We can tell it's his workshop because there's creepy dummy legs hanging in the frame. <laughs> yeah. Also, Ellen tells somebody that it's his workshop. So with those clues, come on, Brandon, <laughs> we can figure it out. I think it's the kitchen. <laughs> Ellen pops open the door for a new character. His name is David, who is excited to check this shit out because he loved this stuff growing up. He takes one look in the room and it's like Willy Wonka's fucking edible room in here. He's basically Augustus who just saw the chocolate waterfall. <laughs> he's just going to go start eating doll parts. He looks like he's about to. <laughs> we quick pan around all this creepy puppet shit and Ellen calls out for Joseph since... David has arrived. We keep panning and see no Joseph, which Ellen declares is weird because he knew David would be here. She suggests that David waits down here and she'll go fish him out. David agrees and takes some steps down into the workroom. He walks on through and looks around in awe and is about to touch the Clyde puppet, but Joe's voice calls out for him not to touch it since he doesn't know where he's been. David asks, whoa, who's that? And the voice tells them, who do you want it to be? And then Coco the Clown's horrific puppet slides out from the shadows and raises its eyebrows. It's a good shot. Oh, it's really good, yeah. David stares at it as we see this abomination start dancing around, and then it blows up a goddamn balloon somehow. How does that happen? I still don't know. Incredible. David is entranced, asking, how the hell did you do that? Good question. Coco's mouth moves as Joe says that it's for me to know and for you to find out. Then it calls out for Joseph to come on out because there's a dude here spying on him. We hear Joe in his normal voice now telling Coco to be a little nicer to the young man since we don't want to scare him away. David assures Mr. Renfield that he doesn't frighten that easily. And Joe tells him, well, for starters, it's not Mr. Renfield. It's Joseph, okay? David tells him, yes, sir. This is a real honor for me. And we look down at Coco and then pan up to Joseph who lifts the curtains away asking did ellen tell you kissing my ass was part of the job david smiles a little because saying it is <laughs> i know <laughs> david smiles a little saying nah that was my idea joe chuckles and then gets out from behind the curtain lifting coco as he walks he asks david how he knows ellen and david tells him that she was taking acting classes from a friend of theirs joe probes some more asking if he knows ellen pretty well David's all, uh, actually, we never met since I had to stop taking acting classes a while ago. Joel's all, oh, well, in that case, let's get to the good stuff. Have you worked with marionettes before? David tells him, nope, but I have worked with animatronics before. Joe nods his head and Dave adds in that animatronics means that it is a robot puppet that you use controls and computer circuits and shit. I even got sweet pics. Let me show you. I love this part where he's like, I have to explain what animatronics are because you're an old man. Yeah. It's very condescending. <laughs> yeah, he mansplains to him. Sure does. And he's like, hey, it's like that thing you do, but like more impersonal and colder. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. He's like, you ever seen Child's Play? Because <laughs> I do that. Joe shakes his head with a no, no, no. Puppets aren't machines. They're an extension of the puppeteer. 
They're a part of you and you become a part of them. Now, if there's a problem for you, maybe you shouldn't do it. And David sighed, saying, Mr. Renfield, Joseph, I want to learn. That's why I'm here. And now I have the chance to learn the craft from a master. I want that chance. And Joe smiles, and the two shake hands. We pop over to later, and we pan through a few pictures of Joseph with his puppets. And we hear Ellen say, I told you I would. Yes, I know. We pan over to see that she's on the telly, Brandon. The telephone. Isn't that what you guys call the telly? That's a television, and that's not us. That's Brits. Oh, fuck. Well, I'm wrong. I'll just cancel myself now. (laughs) Okay, I'll see myself out. (laughs) All right, please. She tells the person on the other end that they'll talk about it later, just as Joe waltzes into the room. She calls the man Rick and that they'll talk about it later, again this time, but firmer. She tells Rick she's got to go and she plops that phone down. Joe asks her who that was and she tells him it was a friend from class. She stomps over to Joe asking, so how's what's his name working out? Joe walks closer too, saying, oh, David, I think he's doing fine. I like how she's like, what's his name? Even though she's the one who was like, this is David. I know. I was like, hmm, what's this now? (laughs) What's the whole, I don't know his name. How's he doing? Like, Ellen, we both know that you know his name. (laughs) Yeah. At every turn, it just gets weirder and weirder. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your little marionette. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether this is your first episode or you've listened to everything that we've got. We are so thankful for you spending some time with us. If you're looking for plenty of bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash private island. We post new content multiple times a week for you to enjoy. We've been doing extra movie overviews every Monday, and this week we covered 1989's Little Monsters. We've also got early release episodes, bloopers, and so much more. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, The Beths, Venice Witch, Tristan, Redemption, Lyle, Eddie, Ray, Rad, Magical, Faith, and Shane, The Goths, Stephen, Matt, Aaron, Britton, Sid, and Corey, The Citizens of Carlsville, Sarah, Mr. Normal, Matt, Keith, Christy, Angela, and Meredith, and your boys and girls, Kathy Fair and Bryce and Brian. Thank you for your support, everybody. Brandon and I truly appreciate it. You can follow us on social media for new posts nearly every day. I've set a goal for myself to get a thousand TikTok followers this year so that I can start live streaming on TikTok and Twitch simultaneously. You can find us on Twitter at UANPod, on Instagram and threads at Up All Night Podcast, on YouTube at Up All Night HA Podcast, and on TikTok at Private Island Presents. If you want to chat with me live as I play games, I do stream on Twitch every couple of nights. I go live about 9 p.m. Eastern, and I play games like World of Warcraft with my wife, some Diablo 2, Stardew Valley, Resident Evil, and more. Everything that I have is Are You Afraid of the Dark, Goosebumps, and Tales from the Crypt themed. I just spent a whole bunch of time adding some special things to the Twitch channel, so I hope you enjoy. We are finishing up Season 4 of Tales from the Crypt this week, as far as recording goes, and we need some questions! If you'd like to get a shout-out on the show and have your questions answered, please get them into us. You can email us at privateislandpresents at gmail.com or send a message to us on any of our social media platforms. We always love hearing from you and answering anything that you'd like to ask. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for their work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. And with that, I'd like to thank you again for listening into the show. For now, I'll let you get back to the episode... And I will be talking with you next week. Bye, everybody. He sits on his bed as Ellen tells him, Great, 
Joe asks, what's wrong? And she tells him that she thinks that David just seems a little too eager. She thinks he's fine or whatever, but he comes highly recommended. But he just struck Ellen as being a little too pushy. Joe thinks on that for a moment and Ellen takes a seat saying, but you know what? If you think he's the right man to help you out with your show, then he's okay by Ellen. (laughs) Also, I'm so glad to see you pleased. Then she smooches his cheek. She gets up and tells him, now I left dinner for you in the microwave. Joe asks where she's headed out to, and Ellen tells him that where I go every Tuesday night, my acting class. Joe asks her if she just really has to go, since he wants to have dinner at home. But Ellen's all, but Joe, this is my only chance to get out of the house. You might like being a shut-in, but I don't. And with that, Ellen walks away. Why is it the only time she can get out of the house? I don't know. I mean, she's got that sweet swimming pool. I mean, from what we've seen, she's mostly out of the house. Yeah. I think, I mean, we're getting a, a couple of clues here, so... I don't know. Joe seems to like not want her to hang around with other dudes, which is, you know, stereotypical of old men, I guess. I don't know. But this is like the only thing that she's allowed to go do without Joe being jealous of or something. She, I mean, she keeps saying that he's jealous. And I guess we do see him uh, obsessing about what she's doing a lot. Yeah. He doesn't seem to try stopping her, though. Like earlier when she's like, oh, my friend left. You happy? Mm-hmm. And it's like, he didn't do anything. Yeah, he, he wasn't... I mean, he saw her out swimming, and he wasn't like, hey, get that woman out of my pool, you know? It was nothing like that. I don't know. It's, it's a really weird situation, because they both seem to be supporting each other pretty well. I mean, Ellen is caring for Joe, making sure that he takes his medicine, wanting to see him succeed and all that, and then Joe is, like, enjoying being with his wife and smooching her in bed and, and stuff. Like, it seems fine to me so far. But, well, spoilers, it gets a little ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) The music gets pretty creepy here as we warp down to Joe's puppet dungeon. It's a stormy night outside, and we see Joe is sitting in a chair with Coco behind him. And we hear the voice of Coco ask, you think of what I'm thinking? And Joe responds out loud, saying, hmm, depends. Coco, what are you thinking? She wouldn't do that to us. Not after things have finally started happening again. She wouldn't. Tell me you agree with me. But we hear the pulsing of a heart beating faster and faster as we slowly pan over to Coco, who's sitting there. Menacingly, Brandon. Yes. I mean, he's just sitting there, but it's obviously menacingly. He's got that smug fucking face, Brandon. Plus with the heartbeats. So this is kind of a thing of this episode. We heard that Joe has an issue with his heart. So when things get a little, like, intense or so, we get this, like, heartbeat thing going on that's kind of representing Joe with a heart attack kind of thing going on yeah and it does feel intense it does we fade to the puppet of clyde climbing up a rock or something and coco's there and he says oh there you are clyde i lost you in the last wave and we see coco is resting against a surfboard clyde breathes all heavy saying that he lost himself in that last wave too coco starts talking some more but is interrupted by david because he's tangled up the damn strings so we pan up and we see david controlling clyde and joe controlling coco Joe tells David that it's all okay and it's, you know, not to get frustrated. These things happen when you're a newbie. And he adds that David is just using his wrist too much and he should think of his arms and hands as a long appendage reaching down through the controller and into the puppet's toes. Giving it some, some real wisdom here on how to be a world-class puppeteer. He sits there, shows David how to control his little, you know, puppet, and then we fade to see that Ellen is watching them. David thinks that Joe's work is amazing and Joe thanks him. With Ellen, she just kind of walks away, and then she slams the door, but nobody notices. Because they're just, like, in the zone, you know? Yeah. When you're in that puppet zone, 
nothing else matters. <laughs> I gotta say, this this puppet show that they're like starting to perform, we see a little bit of it. It looks boring as shit. Yeah, I agree. It's just <laughs> it's puppets very... saying puns, which is like we already get our pun quota from Crypty. <laughs> we don't need more. I mean, it is a. I feel like it's a. I've never seen any puppet shows from like the fifties, but I feel like it's an accurate representation of how, like, no offense, how boring those were. We fade again to see the fruits of their labor. They are just performing that puppet show some more. It's not funny at all. But David has done a much better job now. And we hear the door open up and Ellen walks on down into the dungeon with some lunch, Brandon. Ooh, sandwiches. Joe marvels that it took David two weeks to learn what it took Joe two months to learn. He asks if Ellen saw the scene and Ellen tells him, yeah, it was okay. Joe looks over at David and tells him that is a rave review coming from her. Joe asks her what she thought of the new lines. And again, Alan tells him, eh, they were okay. And Joe's all, what? I thought these was great. David wrote them. David smiles at Ellen, and Ellen looks over at Joe asking, Who told David to do that? And Joe's all, well, he came up with the idea, and I liked it. And Ellen snaps, Joe, you've been winning Emmy Awards for writing before he was even born. We hired him to help you with the show, not change the act. David pipes up now saying all he did was update the material from the 50s to the 90s. And Ellen looks unbelievably pissed saying, great, but she the show is. you're writing for is a tribute to the 50s. I suggest you change it back. She is fucking angry. Yeah. Like from what we've seen of Ellen so far, this was a, a kind of a surprise to me. I didn't expect her to like 180, you know, yeah. <laughs> like this. From, I thought it would be a little more gradual. From what we've seen so far... This comes out of nowhere, and also from what we see later, I don't understand why she reacts this way at all. Right. Joe argues that he likes the changes since they work better, and David's amazing. But Ellen yells, so who's running the show? You are him! And storms out of there and up the stairs. We hear that heartbeat back from before and focus in on Coco the Clown, who again looks smug. Joe takes a seat and reaches for his heart, and David notices and asks if he's okay. And Joe's all, yeah, I'm fine. Then the heartbeat sound stops, so he is, you know, he's fine. David asks Joe if he wants him to go get Ellen, but Joe tells him, nah, I just need to catch my breath. David gets very sincere here, asking, Joe, what's going on? Joe tells him nothing, and David prompts him some more, being all like, come on, this is me. David, you can talk to me. <laughs> Most bestest buddy. You've known me two weeks, come on. You can talk to him about anything. Open your soul, bro. <laughs> is there <laughs> is there some kind of problem between you and Ellen that you'd like to talk about? And we cut over to Coco, whose eyes shift just ever so slightly to look a little bit more at David. And uh, I mean, I would say it's very subtle, but like Coco's the only one in frame. So like it's the only thing you're looking at. But it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like what's going on here. Is Coco a little magic? Who knows? Joe spills the beans here saying that he thinks there's somebody in her acting class. David wants him to spill all that tea, asking if he thinks it's an affair. Joe's all, bah, I don't know. I'm being ridiculous. Let's get back to work. But David's not finished lapping up that tea and suggests that he can swing by the acting class on Wednesday night to spy for him. And Joe's all, wait a second. Wednesday night? Her acting class is on Tuesday nights. David thinks about that for a second, saying, nah, it used to be Tuesday night, but they changed it like a year ago. That's why I had to drop out. Joe sighs some more, and David walks up to comfort him, saying he's sorry. Joe tells him, that's okay, I'm alright. And then we snap back over to look at Coco for a moment. The layers, Brandon. They're unraveling. Yeah. 
Starting to get a little bit of what's going on here. We pop upstairs and out of the dungeon and see that David is making his way to the front door, finished practicing for the day. On the stairs is Ellen, waiting to attack. And by attack, I mean, like, with words, because, like, she calls out to David. I don't think you should come back tomorrow. David looks up at her, asking, what have you got against me? I don't understand why you hate me so much. Ellen moseys her way slowly down the stairs and says, I'd like to do this as quietly as possible. But if it's a matter of money, I'm sure we can come to some agreement. She finally gets down those stairs next to David, and David asks, is that what you think this is all about? You are disgusting. Do you know that? We see Joe slide his way into the room, but no one really notices. So David goes to leave, but he stops and then looks at Ellen saying, by the way, how long are you going to be cheating on your husband? Ellen is taken aback by this accusation saying, how dare you? How fucking dare you talk to me like that? But Joe rushes in to break up the argument. And Ellen asks, did you even hear what he just had to say about me? You going to let him get away with that, huh? She just fire him. Joe complains that he can't do that show without David. And Ellen kind of gives him an ultimatum saying, you need me and I don't want him in my house. David smooths things out here saying, Joe, it's okay. It's not worth you getting more upset over it. The show is the most important thing. We'll be in touch, I promise. And he turns to leave, even though Joe calls after him, you know, not to go. He's like, no, please, I need you. <laughs> don't leave me. Don't leave me with Coco. <laughs> then Joe turns his attention to Ellen asking, what's the matter with her? Because David was his friend. Ellen asks, oh, he's your friend, huh? You can have friends, but I can't. And he argues that he ain't never said she can't have friends. But Ellen rebuttals that in the past eight years, she's lost every friend she has because of him. She's sick of his jealousy and sick of him trying to control her like one of his puppets. Then she steps past him and out the door. And Joe asks where she's going. And she screams that she is going to go see a friend. And then she slams the door and we fade to black. She's like, I don't have any friends. Oh, well, then where are you going? I'm going to a friend. <laughs> yeah. Also, I had a friend at the beginning She's of the episode. She's going to hang out with her friends all the time. I'm going swimming. It's stormy night out, though, honey. <laughs> Joe has one friend, and it's one that she brought over and picked out. Yeah, it's odd. We cut back, and we're in first-person camera mode and entering Joe's bedroom. We hear Coco's voice say that he never trusted that dame and tells Joe to take his advice and just check into it. We walk over to the dresser where we see Joe trifling through all the clothes until he finds some notes. He opens one up and he reads it and he breathes all heavy and his heart is all beating fast. And I'd read the note, but it's in cursive, so I, I don't know what it says. <laughs> scribbles. <laughs> Pretty much scribbles, yeah. I assume it says, hey, are you enjoying that affair we're having? Yes. Signed, Ellen's XO, acting XO. friend. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly what it is. We fade away and over to a fire, and then we see Joe pouring himself a little drink of vodka, and he says that he should have listened to Coco since Coco knew, and we hear Coco's voice say that it wasn't exactly hard to see coming. She's young and beautiful. You're just a tired old man. Joe asks what he should do, and Coco asks, You mean if you were you, or if you were me? Joe says out loud that he'll divorce her and call his lawyer in the morning because he doesn't want to see her again. But we hear Coco's voice say divorce will cost him big bucks and suggests taking matters into his old man hands. We see Joe thumb around at that carving knife he was using and he's all, geez, I can't do that. But Coco tells him, yeah, he can. So Joe grabs that knife saying no. And he shakes his head and he starts wallowing in his own self-pity. We look at the fire, which fades into just kindling, and we see that there's a car rolling up to the house. It revs his engine for some reason and wakes Joe up. 
who was taking a quick little snooze. Joe looks around and calls out Coco. And we see that Coco was, uh, and we see that where Coco was is just strings to a puppet now, as if Coco has gotten up himself. From upstairs, we hear Ellen scream, and Joe takes a full second before snapping and saying, Ah, it's Ellen! And then he runs up the stairs. He opens up his bedroom door, and we look and we see that Coco the puppet is on top of Ellen, stabbing her over and over again in the chest. And it looks at Joe and starts laughing. (laughs) It is just going ham on her with that knife. Joe collapses to the ground having a heart attack. And, yeah, (laughs) he couldn't handle it anymore. From the door walks David with a remote control in his hands, Brandon. (gasps) Say what? He checks Joe's pulse and says that he's so sorry, old man. And we see that David here is remote controlling Coco. And he goes and gets real close to Ellen and the two start giggling. Ellen asks if he's dead yet. And David tells her, almost. The two get up to look at Joe. And Ellen Ellen tells him, Joseph, this is Rick. He's a puppeteer just like you. Aren't you, baby? And the two smooch right on the lips. Now, Brandon, if you would remember, she was talking to Rick on the phone. And Rick was David the whole time. Oh, shit. Right under our noses. Who knew? Cortland, did you see this coming at all? Not really. I I had a feeling Rick would come back, but I thought David would, like, fend him off and be like, no, I love Joe, you know? Because he did a good job. He he acted like he was very, uh, you know, wanting to be Joe's apprentice kind of thing. He acted like it so much that it didn't make sense. <laughs> Knowing what we know now... All the interactions between David and Joe and Ellen and David and Ellen and Joe don't make sense. This isn't one of those episodes where you can go and rewatch and be like, ah, there were these clues all along. Mm -hmm. Now it's more confusing because it's like, okay, why were you arguing with him about this thing when you knew that this was all fake? I feel like what they had planned is to kill Joe with a heart attack. Oh, definitely. So that there would be, like, no evidence kind of thing. And they did it in the absolute most convoluted way possible. Yeah. I mean, I assume with Joe, he gets triggered when, like, he's in an argument kind of thing or there's arguments happening around him. So them having, like, that yelling fight or whatever in the foyer was, like, they're like, okay, he's, he's good now. We can just, he's you know, prime and ready death. to die. I feel like you probably could have just jumped out and said boo like day one and he would have been. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One thing I will say, though, I like how in the beginning he was like, I I do animatronics. Right. And then they bust out the animatronics and in this like, you know, last scene kind of thing. As soon as as soon as Joe opened that door and that puppet was like, (laughs) I like figured it all out two seconds before it was all revealed i thought it was pretty good but yeah you're right it is very convoluted it's kind of like they're just very mean-spirited like let's fuck him up and enough for him to die like yeah let's not just take his money but like let's have fun with it too (laughs) let's get puppets involved yeah let's turn his love of coco against him (laughs) rick asks joe because like i'm gonna refer to david as rick now because the same person rick asks Mm -hmm. joe what do you think i know it's not as graceful as what you do but I think with a little money, and Ellen adds in your money, I think he'll end up pretty damn good. Rick tells him goodbye, and then their image fades away as Joe fucking dies. Yep. The two get up, Ellen holding on to Coco, and, and Rick tells her to get cleaned up and call 911. 
So Ellen asks him where she put the real Coco. And Rick tells her, oh, he's under there. You know, under the bed. But we don't have much time. So Ellen goes, she gets herself cleaned up. She just kind of leaves to go call 911 or whatever. With Rick, he gingerly walks his way over to the bed and then looks under it. But there is nothing there. So he sits up and we see the real Coco. And Coco draws a switchblade and swipes. And we hear Rick gasp. I love that gag where people look under a bed and they're like, oh, nothing there. And then the camera pans up. Yeah, me too. It's great. Over with Ellen, she looks to have just gotten out of the shower and she walks into the bedroom asking, Rick, what are you doing? The paramedics are going to be here any minute. Now, we're first person camera here and we see Rick is sitting on the bed, but we don't like see his head or anything because it's obscured by a pillar from the bed, right? Mm -hmm. So we slowly walk over to the side and then Ellen asks him what he's doing. And we see that Rick has marionette cords strung on him and he gets lifted up and his head raises and we see that his throat is a very little bit slashed. Ellen cringes at that and we hear Coco say, not bad, kiddo. And Ellen slowly looks up and we see Rick's arm get yanked up and he's got this little knife in him and it plunges down and Ellen screams. We fade to black and when we come back, we see a police officer with two paramedics walk around a hallway saying, oh, you're not going to believe this. And the cop is all, yeah, right. But the paramedic tells him, no, I mean, real, it was real bad. They open up the bedroom door and we see the bodies of Rick and Ellen are strung up standing on the bed. And Coco the puppet is above them. But aw shit, it's got the face of Joseph now instead of Coco. Oh shit. <laughs> uh, that's silly. But. And that's kind of the end. I mean, it makes, it makes sense. Because Joseph earlier is like, oh, puppets is you and you is puppets. Yeah. So that's what happened in the end. They fused. Yeah, but now Coco has the base of Donald O'Connor. <laughs> you could do worse. Yeah, it was. It's pretty good. Like the the carving of Joe's face is very good. Like they got somebody that just knows how to they know how to carve that wood, Brandon, because it looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cheekbones weren't too high. Mm-mm. We cut back over to Crypt Keeper, who's upside down for some reason, and he says, "Well, Coco may have been the puppet, but in the end, Joseph was the one who paid for the marionettes." And I don't know how that's a joke, but as for me, kitties, it seems my pain in the neck was more than more serious than I thought, but I'm almost finished with my scarapy. And the camera moves us back to see that the crypty is in a guillotine. He says just one more adjustment and he'll be out of here. And then he gives the skeleton holding the rope next to him the sign that he's like, he's ready to go. And the guillotine raises and then falls. And we see our best friend get beheaded and his head plops into a basket. Well, shit. I know, right? That was the end of the series. The severed head laughs, saying, now that's what I call pain in full. And then he laughs us out of the episode. He's just a fucking head in a basket now, Brandon. The end. Yep. That's his life from now on. Yeah. So that was a fun episode. I liked it. It was good. Um, Like I said, some of the stuff doesn't make sense in hindsight, but good twists, good uh, spooks. Yeah, that puppet. the puppets were uh, really good. I mean... You could have just went with, like, cheap shit, right? But they kind of went yes. all out. I think the puppets were really great. Brandon, did you learn anything from Strong Along Well? I mean, I would say, like, stay away from puppets, but I kind of already knew that. I've spent my entire life staying away from clown puppets. I was going to say, I actively don't. I, I actively avoid puppets. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not. I just don't, like, leave. No, no, it's active. You are, you are always going away from them. <laughs> Subconsciously, I am a never around puppets <laughs> um i think that the moral of the story is just just take your heart meds you know you got heart problems yeah. take some meds <laughs> yeah lay off the red meat no <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Uh, strung along though, Brandon. Um, it was kind of a fun name, you know. It's a little double entendre. What do you say that word? Entendre. Yeah, it's apt, and it, it's it's something the crypt keeper would come up with. It is. I mean, not only are you strung along because it's puppets, but also you know Joe's basically strung along this entire episode. It's a plan to murder him and take all of his money so that David slash Rick can become a full time animatronic guy. See, as for an alternate title, I'd go with uh, surprise. It's gold diggers again. <laughs> Tuesday night acting class, or maybe it was Wednesday night. Wednesday it's night acting Wednesday class. Wednesday night acting class. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Brandon, do you want to meet this cast? <sighs> yeah. Okay. Let's start with our main character, Joseph Renfield, played by the late Donald O'Connor, who passed away in two thousand three. And boy, this guy has been at it for a long fucking time, Brandon. He started things off in 1937 with Melody for Two. Now, Brandon, when I kind of gave you the sneak peek of who was in this episode, it mm-hmm. sounded like you knew Mr. O'Connor here. Uh, is there anything in particular you recognized him from? Well, I can't say I'm a huge fan because I've only seen him in one thing. But that okay. one thing is Singing in the Rain, which yeah. is, you know one of the biggest classics of all time yeah he was in a lot of like things in the 50s you know like he was pretty perfectly casted for a person that made it big in the 50s you know yeah he had his own tv show the donald o'connor show from 1954 to 1960 i don't know how it was that long because it only had 17 episodes but that was pretty cool one episode uh you know every couple months i guess he was in alice in wonderland in 1985 cool he was in murder she wrote and then tales from the crypt he was in Toys. He was in The Nanny, Brandon. You love The Nanny. Oh, he was in The Nanny? Yeah, and Frasier. His last acting credited role was in Out to Sea in 1997. Yep, the old man movie. I liked him. I think he was pretty perfectly casted for this episode. Next up, let's talk about Ellen, Brandon, played by Patricia Charbonneau. I'm probably saying her name wrong. Sorry, Patricia. I know you listen to the show. But Patricia started her acting career in 1983 with mystery disc many roads to murder which apparently is a video game in 1983 i don't know about that friend that seems odd yeah i don't know she was in the equalizer for an episode in 87 the equalizer yeah not the denzel washington no 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 um she was in five episodes of wise guy from 88 to 89 she was in matlock brain dead the owl Walker, Texas Ranger for an episode of Oh, Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction. Okay, cool. There we go. That's something. <laughs> Law and Order Special Victims Unit in 2008. And her last acting role was in 2020 with Skipping Stones. So That's yeah, she's fairly still, recent. She's still working it. She's still doing it. Last character, Brandon, we have Zach Galligan, who played David slash Rick. I think he's probably best known for his role of Billy in Gremlins. Yeah, as well as Gremlins too. As soon as he popped up, I was like, "Oh, it's the Gremlins guy." Yeah, I haven't seen Gremlins in a long time. I'd like to watch it again. Oh, this I think my favorite role that he was in though, Brandon Hellraiser three, Hell on Earth in nineteen ninety two. He played boiler room patron getting stabbed with pool stick in an uncredited role. Wow, what a that was him. Put that on your resume. That is a great role to play. (laughs) He was also in Warlock, the Armageddon. Dang, okay. Cyborg 3, The Recycler. Never heard of that before. All of these things sound made up. They're on IMDb, Brandon. They gotta be real, right? (laughs) He was in an episode of 7th Heaven. Well, that ain't made up. No. Very real. 
Um, what else here? More recently, he was in Midnight Peep Show in 2022. He was in Gremlins, The Secrets of the Mogwai in 2023. Like a as Billy? No, he's as hunch. He's as henchman number two. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, from this. No, I, I guess it's from last year, 2023. But I didn't know that there was a uh, Gremlins TV show that they made. Looks pretty good. And then most recently, he was in something called Honk, where he played a short cool. in 2023. So he's still he's still working at Brandon. He's still doing his fifth thing. Yeah. yeah, good for him. That's what I'm saying. But uh, that was Struggle Long, Brandon. You want to see what's next week? Yes, please. All right. Next week, season four, episode 13, is called Werewolf Concerto. Am I saying that word right? Sure. <laughs> okay. We got werewolves potentially next week. Well, we better. If I watch something called Werewolf Concerto and there's no werewolves, I'm going to be pissed. Me too. Uh, let me read the, the little paragraph here. An Agatha Christie style mystery. Okay. Oh, I'm fucking All in right. already. Sees the inhabitants of a remote hotel terrorized by rumors of a werewolf prowling the area. Not to fear as a self-appointed werewolf hunter is amongst them. But might he have a dark secret of his own? Well, if it says it in the description, of course he does. I know, right? Uh, let's look at the cast real quick here, Brandon. We have Timothy Dalton. Oh, fuck yeah. Dennis Farina. Oh, cool. Walter Gotell. I don't know him. Charles Fleischer. Fleischer? I don't know him. Oh, well, you got you know this next person, Brandon. Reginald Vell Johnson. Oh, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, we this got episode some family a banger, man. <laughs> An Agatha Christie story with <laughs> James Bond and Carl? <laughs> yes, yes. How about Layla Rochin? Ro- Ro- Rochin? I don't no. know. Okay. Well, never mind. I'll just eliminate that. Wolfgang Puck is in this episode, Brandon. So <laughs> what is this episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm getting way too hyped up for this. Wolfgang Puck as Wolfgang Puck, Brandon. <laughs> he's going to fucking oh, drop man. some bomb-ass dinner on this fucking dinner service. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, I can't wait, Brandon. That's that's next week, though. We we got to wait a whole week to see. Uh, this is going to be tough. <laughs> this the dad from Family Matters <laughs> with James Bond. <laughs> And Wolfgang Puck, the trio we've all been waiting for. Yeah, I can't wait, Brandon. It's going to be great. (laughs) But that's next week. We got got a little bit of time here, Brandon. That was fun. I've been up all night, Brandon. I think I'm done for right now. I'm excited for next week. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We will talk with you later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Nobody asked you, Coco.